0: Hey there, and welcome to the One Church podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Um, So uh, the title of my message is The Power of One Another. What do I love most about Christmas? Well, if it was the cute factor... It could be this. Oh, I love them. They're so gorgeous. Um, and I love, 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 love them. And I love it on Christmas Eve when they're very excited. But but that isn't it. So maybe it's my 11.30 p.m. picture, which is usually when I've got everything ready on Christmas Eve for Christmas Day. The minute that table's set, Christmas is set in my mind. We're like, come on, happy days. And I, I take this picture. As a good feeling. But that isn't it. So maybe it's the 2am picture when I finally get to the end of wrapping the monotonous stocking presents, which is usually for Abby because she starts a list in Blink in July. <laughs> Mate, we've got one of those shared lists like ding ding ding, 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 You know, it's always coming through. It's always been amended. Something else she needs. Praise the Lord. Jack, you have to find things. So with Jack, you say, Jack, what do you want for Christmas? And he'll go, hmm, hmm, (laughs) hmm. So you start making suggestions, you know, you get the idea. Um, So is it the 2 a.m. picture? No, it's actually this. And I am normally making the gravy or um, at the sink, draining the veg when it happens. And I get to look across at these people and something happens in me. They don't know it, but this the best moment of my year, when I look across, and they're all busy doing their things, chatting, laughing, doing what they do best, but I get to see all the people that I love the most, that I've done life with every day of that year to that point, and it is the best moment of the year for me. I guess if you wanted to describe it, it's the Steve Martin face. Um, There's a film, I get the Steve Martin face. I do, I sort of like... If you don't know the film, Cheaper by the Dozen, two crazy families are put together into one even crazier family. They go through highs and lows, and at the end of the film, they all end up around the Christmas table. And Steve, the character, the dad, just reflects on the highs and the lows and the craziness of life, and he just gets this face that says, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right here, right now with you. And the power of that, why is that so powerful? Why is that so intrinsic? Why does that trump every uh, feeling that I might get at Christmas? But for me, it's the reason I still love Christmas. It would be worth it just for that washing up moment for me. Jesus was around the table with a group of friends knowing it would be his last time eating with them on earth all together as a group. And he stood and he said this, a new command I give you, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And it was a new commandment. It took them by storm. Their life had all been about following him, following him, following him, looking to him, looking to him, looking to him. And he was trying to say, I am not going to be here. And when I go, it's down to you guys. It's down to you guys with each other. That as you, one another, each other, my kingdom will be built. The world will see. Quite a powerful paradigm shift. But was it? Well, actually it wasn't. And so like Pastor John, I believe he took you right back to Genesis. I'm going to take you right back to Genesis chapter 1. And in that verse 26, we see that it says, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Let us, God speaking to God. Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the first glimpse of the Trinity, of the one another of God talking. God is one another. God is one another. So if we are made in His image, We are made in the image with the nature of one another. Do you see? So God is one another. We are one another. It's our design. It's our identity. It's our purpose. God made us like him, like them. We are like them, okay? Whether we have good days, bad days, fail days or success days, our identity is him. And that identity is a one another identity. And then he looked across and he saw that everything he made was good. Oh, the plants are good. The heavens, the earths, they're good. The sun, the moon, it's all good. All good. Oh my goodness, that's not good. What's not good? Panto, sorry. No, it's not Christmas panto. Oh no, it isn't good. Oh yes, it is good. No, it's not good. And he was looking at man and he realized that he'd made this beautiful likeness this beautiful human in his own image. Beautiful, but not good. And not good because it is not good for the man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a suitable helper for him. You see, even then, even though there was the heavenly one another, they were equals, they were pals, they are one. He looked down and he realized that the vertical one another was not enough it wasn't going to display his full nature because God is one another so he knew that if we were to display the full nature of God we needed a one another and therefore he made woman woman and you're very grateful for that aren't you Nate? I'm seeing you there he's totally engaged he's got such an engaged face have you seen Caleb's face Caleb's face is so engaged and it's his dad's face so i uh, just just going to preach to that face just going to preach to that face right okay So the design was set. Life is best with one another. And taking all of that, all of that wisdom, all of that approach, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He took off his heavenly rights and he put on flesh and blood. And his calling was all about us. He was desperate. He came for... I love that song. Come let us... The one who came for us. He came for you. He came for me. Thank God Jesus came for me. I was out of my... I was lost. And so he puts on flesh and blood and he's called to bring his people back into relationship, back into that one another with the heavenly father. And yet, as soon as he grew and left his family, and got his calling, the first thing he did was find others. You see, Jesus lived a one another life. And I, um, I love this model. This model really helps me feel safe, because sometimes when I read, let us love one another, I think I've got to love everybody in the same way. And it's a bit overwhelming, And I'm a people person, so I'm thinking, oh, poo, I can do that one and that one, but to try and do all of them, it's just too much. And then I'll do a bad job, and then I'm accused of not caring. And oh, listen to me, little Taylor Woe, as a church leader. So, um, but but Jesus' model is a brilliantly safe model, and it's a very practical model. You see, Jesus was called to the crowd, he had a crowd of followers. He was brilliant with the crowd, he had crowd skills, he was a good listener, he was a good orator. They loved him. He was engaging. He gave them dignity. He would look them in the eye as many as he could for as long as he could. He was great. You could say he had brilliant crowd skills and that was his calling. He had brilliant group skills. He picked a group of disciples. Disciple means learners, pupils, and he gathered them around him and his job was to teach them everything he knew, everything about the kingdom of God, that they could go away and replicate that. And he did group brilliantly. He learned the art of discussion and debate and throwing the odd question out. Say, la, boys. What does he mean? What does he mean? Ha-ha, I'm not going to tell you. So he's really, really good. He's got brilliant group skills. But then this off-piste, almost is-it-necessary aspect of Jesus' one-another life. He had three close friends. Bit indulgent, isn't it, Jesus? you got the Trinity, you're praying, surely you're praying, you're reading the Torah, what more do you need? But he wanted above his work, he needed friends, and Peter, James, and John became his nearest and dearest, and he shared with them things that he never shared with other people. He took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, that was when he went, ta-da, Showed them his true spiritual form. Oh my days, that must have been like mind blowing. Well, it was because, like, Peter was just like stupid about it. But the point was, he wanted them to see who he really was. He wanted them to know him, to really know him. This is the real me. This is the real me that's not here. This is what I'm really like. Please don't say it keep it to yourself, boys, but this is me. He took them to Gethsemane, the lowest, weakest, losing it point of his life, where he knew that he knew that he knew what he had to do. And he he loved that he loved that he loved the people he was doing it for, but he still had to do it. And that terrified fear of having to do the only thing he knew was necessary, which was to allow his body to be brutally brutally murdered and love through it it's massive he was all man very god and very man and yet the people that he wanted with him at that point were peter james and john interesting isn't it because i know what i'm like when i'm at my lowest point and i don't want to be with anybody i want to close my door get in my room and sulk usually and have a bit of a moan to jesus and then come out again but that's not the bible way What the Bible is saying is if you want to follow Jesus, follow his model. And you need good friends. You need people that you're going to be yourself with, that you're going to be vulnerable with. You're going to be open with. And we'll look practically at that in a little bit. So Jesus lived a one another life. And then when he was with his disciples, he said this thing. This is amazing. Still on the theme of one another. He said, hey, so who do you think I am? You know, I've shown you all this stuff. Who who do you who do you say that? Who do people say that I am? You know, and there's this, that, and the other coming. Then Peter, who has seen more than the rest, fair play, opens his large gob. I wouldn't know anything about that, and says, "You're the Christ. You are Him. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the Living God." And Jesus said, "Yes, I am. Well done. Only God could have shown you that." And upon that statement, upon that truth, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, will not, nowhere near, prevail. Right, will come nowhere close to it, will not overcome it. Great, isn't it? I will build my church. The word church, can I just stop you there? Let's have a little look at that. Ecclesia. Ecclesia means gathering. It means people, not building. And what we see here is this. One another is the church. And you go, oh, yes, 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 we know that. We know the church is about the people. It's not about the building. We know that. So why do we do everything in here? Why do we reserve our best for within these four walls? And it's beautiful, vertical one anothering beautiful. God could not argue that vertically we are one anothering with him really, really well. But the horizontal aspect of one anothering is the one anothering that the world needs and that will send the enemy flying, okay? So no one another, no church. If you ain't one anothering each other, then there is not a church. We can meet here, sing away, Pray away, do what we want. But you know what? The world's going to need x-ray vision to see us because we're inside. Yet God says, love one another and the world will see that you are my disciples. So one another is the church, hence the command. A new command I give you, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are mine. It's really done something. I've been studying this subject now for about a year. And I have been shocked at the amount of Christian stuff I do inside the church walls. And I do it well. I teach and I pray and I prophesy and I do it really, really well. But when I discovered this one another thing, I thought, oh my goodness. If it truly is the means by which the world going to see us and see Jesus, I think I need to be a little bit better at it. And you know what? It doesn't actually quite fit just on Sundays. So let's have a little look. Jesus dies after saying at the last supper to his friends, this is the command I give you. I will no longer be here. You will need to be one another When I'm gone, you will need to. You are it. You are it. I can just help you. You are it. You are the church. Church is you. And off he goes. And they're lost for a while. They're grieving. They're confused. They don't know what to do. They've got no one to follow. They've got no one telling them what to do. And suddenly they realize through the power of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) they are the church. This beautiful thing happens. This eruption of the Greek word for one another explodes. I mean, it explodes. It's used a 100 times in 47 different specific instructions about one another in one another, okay? It's literally all over the epistles. It's all over Acts. It just explodes into the into the scene, and it's everywhere. And this word, alelun, um, has five different themes. That's the word. That's the Greek word for one another, okay? And um, the five different themes are this, love and unity. Love and unity is the product, the fruit of being one another. And actually, it's the most eye-catching bit for people looking in at us. I was at Yemi and Tala's celebration. It was full of the most different set of people you could ever imagine, But true Yemi and Tala style, they started the party with worship. They hired a gospel band in that was incredible. We were literally worshiping Jesus. A good half of the room were not churchgoers. And this incredible uh, thing as they began to see the love that Yemi and Tala have for each other, the love that others have got for them, the the love that we have for God. They'll see him. They see you. They will see him. So love and unity they were seeing the fruits of the one another yeah. Yeah. and it and, and they were seeing jesus yeah humility and respect is the attitude of one another you cannot be a great friend if you are proud or arrogant or superior in fact uh, it says the bible says god repels he just repels the proud but he gives grace and he draws close to those people that are humble aren't trying to say they're they're better than anybody else. So humility and respect is the attitude of the one another. And then there are the three how-tos. Be accountable, sharpen each other, and always encourage. And these are the practical how-tos of the one another. And I want to just touch on those. But before I do, I've got to tell you this absolute gem. The Greek word for one another means two things. It means reciprocal, mutual, reciprocal, mutual. And it's from the Latin, back and forth, back and forth. One another is two-way. And we know this with God, friendship with God. As we pour out our adoration to God, he rains down his adoration on us. As we pour out our faith to God, he pours down provision on us. And this reciprocal nature this two way nature is what he is wanting from us. Oh, okay, then, right. So we are really using the F word here, then. So one another is not just about going, oh, hello. Nice to meet you. And it's not leadership, because leadership is one way. Yeah? We teach, we role model, we lead. Maybe we mentor. It's personal, but it's one way. You receive, we give. So we're not talking leadership here. And we're not talking encounter here either, because encounter is to do with us and God. Us and God. Us and God. We're using friendship. What the Bible is actually saying is the quality of your friendships will determine the visibility of your faith. Oh, yeah, but it's a bummer, isn't it? Because... You use the friend word and people fall into two camps. I haven't got any friends. church doesn't care. (laughs) Or, I've got so many friends. I can't get around them all. It's ridiculous, it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous. And, And usually you don't hear a person go, I've got just the right amount of friends. I have the optimum, the optimum friends. Yes, yes, absolutely. And this is where the Jesus model comes in. Can you see that? He's not expecting you to be flipping like, close with everybody is saying, find your really good core of good friends, good close friends, and we'll do that in a minute. Get into groups that grow you. Get into groups that grow you, okay? And celebrate the crowd. Get great crowd skills. Um, So this beautiful two-way thing is important. Can I just say, friends, followers in the Bible are so much deeper Than friends and followers on Facebook? (laughs) That is veneer, that is just some surface name that has nothing to do with what you get out of it. And biblical friendship goes right to your core, okay? And biblical following is giving everything. I don't think I'm gonna give everything to some of the people I follow on Facebook. Yeah, you get the idea. So let's look at the three how-tos really quickly. Number one, be accountable. Oh, this is a killer, right? Are you ready? I'm going to go right for the flipping jugular on this. It says this in James 5, 16. You need to put your seatbelts on or it will get you. Are you ready? Here it comes, Butt clenching. Right. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. <laughs> Yay, let's do this. (laughs) Right, so this is where Jesus' model of having a core of close friends really helps me because I don't have to confess my sins to the crowd, but I do have to confess my sins to more than just Jesus. (gasps) Isn't that unholy? Well, actually, no, it isn't. So Jesus says this, as you humble yourself enough to tell somebody not only what you did right, but what you've done wrong. This is what it says. So that you may be healed. I'll leave it with you. And everyone's had that bad experience, you know, where you've shared a secret, and somebody's blinking blabbed it, and you're like, oh, never doing that again. I'm never going to be that open again. That's ridiculous. It's stupid of me. I'm only going to tell Jesus. Jesus. But that is not honoring God with your life and your faith because what he's saying is if you want true healing, humble yourself, but find the right people. It took me a while. Every good friend starts with an awkward conversation where you're just sounding each other out. Yeah? There's a lovely team-building model and it's forming, storming, norming, and performing. And it really is that. You, you meet somebody, you, you're trying to check them out, you're trying to work out how it goes, you hit a few storms where you get to know what they're really like. They get to know what you're really like. There's a choice. Is it, are we going to go forward with this? Loving each other that little bit more? Knowing that little bit more? Or are we backing off? So many people fail at the storm. They don't go through the storm. Jesus went through the storm to the other side. and I encourage you guys to do the same with your friendships. And the people that weather the storms with you and love you anyway are your friends. They are your friends. Seven years ago, uh, maybe longer, can't remember. I'm really bad with numbers. I, uh, I suffered a bit of a burnout episode. So I couldn't be the <laughs> leader. And, um, and yet there were two or three people that kept knocking my door. Loved me as much then as they did when I was doing this. And um, that means a lot to me. They're the people that I will text and say... <gasps> Just having a bit of depression knocking at my door. Can you pray? Absolutely. If it gets to a three, I have a number system. If it gets to a three for more than two days, you text me. I'm on you. Okay. Thank you. That means a lot. Good, accountable friends. Confess your sins. Carry each other's burdens, it says in Galatians. Can I just say that people can't carry your burdens if they don't know them? Okay? And sometimes we go through things and we just think, oh, You know, off we go. (laughs) And uh, there is somebody waiting to carry your burden with you. And you will be honouring God by telling them and sharing it. And they will be honouring God. And you will be mutually, reciprocally, love one another, mutually, reciprocally helping each other. Yeah? Reciprocal means you look like you're struggling with that. Let me help you. I'll help you with that. I'll carry that with you. Mutual means... It didn't seem important to me, but I can see that it's important to you. So, if it's important to you, I love you enough, it's going to be important to me. If you care about it and I care about you, I'm going to care about it with you. Love one another. Love is reciprocal, mutual, accountable, sharpen. Let us spur one another on, it says in Hebrews. Let us spur one another on. And that's not just like, oh, tally-ho, chaps, let's go. A spur is something you stab a horse with to make it go faster. The word spur in the Greek means provoke, irritate. Do you have those people in your life, you're just like, oh, stop telling me what to do. I am married to one. (laughs) I'm married to one the man lives to spur me on. He actually lives to spur everybody on. And when you have a conversation with Simon, those that love him will know that he cannot have a conversation without helping you be better. He can't. He just can't do it. It's like breathing. But I live with that. So I've got to lock myself in the loo if I want to get away from it. Do you understand? And I do. I do. Went to a party. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. And Kel, approves. You may be amazed to know that I said something stupid. Okay. Simon's really good with his words. He's very measured. He's got a very high sense of honour. And we're at this party and I just said something a little bit dishonouring. And I, kn- I saw his face. I, kn- I saw him jar. I knew. I knew. So we come home and he's quiet. And I know why he's quiet. And we've got a no secrets policy, by the way. If we feel we've sinned and wronged each other or wronged God, we tell each other. That's brilliant for me because it stops me doing it. Because it's one thing having to tell Jesus in the safety of my own room. It's another thing having to tell Simon that I've done it. So another reason to confess one's sins with the, with the few close friends that you have. And he was quiet. And I, um, I was thinking, oh, okay. He's not going to say anything. Oh, I won't say anything. He knows, I know, what needs to be said. And I thought, no, come on. So I just went, oh, sorry, mate. That was a stupid thing to say, wasn't it? And he just went, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> the grace, you know. We all do things wrong, you know. We all do stupid things <laughs> And he just looked at me and he just said, um, the thing that hurt me about what you said, it was clearly wrong. But the thing that got me the most is you're better than that. You're better than those words. And that's what hurt me about what you said. Oh, man, that provoked me. That wounded me. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says the Bible. And true friends have the guts and the courage to tell each other the truth. In Colossians, it talks about admonishing, warning Do you know, if we see our Christian brothers and sisters doing something stupid and we don't warn them, we are not loving them. In fact, we are unloving them to a place of failure because we don't love them enough to speak up and say, you're better than that. I know you want to do it. And more than wanting to be liked by you, I need to tell you that you're better. There's a better way than that. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. And one anothering each other means being loving enough to tell the truth, even if it means for a season you're not liked. People will see who you are. They will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven if you stick to your guns on it. And finally, always encourage. This is beautiful. This is a crowd pleaser. You can do this with anybody at any time at all, okay? Build each other up. And can I just say, what you say to their face please remain in that mode behind their back. Okay? Because what is the point of stitching somebody up and then unpicking your stitches when they're not around? God sees everything. Build each other up. So long as it is called today, wait for this, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage it. Well, surely just you know, saying something nice to somebody is really easy. So that you may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Ever walked in on a Sunday feeling you've missed it? <laughs> Ever feel like you heard John last week and had loads of good intentions to do the right thing and suddenly it's Sunday again and you're thinking, "Pooh, I'm going to hear more of the same and it's just going to remind me what a bad job I've done all week. And sin's deceitfulness is in your rucksack telling you you're just not good enough you're not worth it and then you see the face of somebody that chooses the three second rule which I've learned from some of the young guys which is you've got three seconds when you meet somebody to say something good about them and you meet them and within three seconds of being in their presence they say you're a great person I didn't get a chance to tell you but when you did that it was fabulous you've got great eyes God's made you well Whatever it is, find something to encourage. The Bible talks about spiritual songs and psalms. Why don't you guys, every Sunday, come with a scripture, a verse in your pocket that you can pull out for everyone you meet to encourage them. so simple. It's so one another. It's so easy. And I just need to say this. um, I've realised that if the command of Jesus is correct that as we love one another so the world sees us then people judge this house by our love towards each other not my love towards you I can't love you all you understand I can't even remember everybody's name and the older I get don't ask me why I'm remembering less so I can't be what you need so the world will judge us as a house of God, according to how we love each other. The horizontal dynamic of beautiful, setting free, throwing Molotov cocktails at Satan, seeing him running, and becoming incredibly visible, a fire in our communities as we do this. So I'll leave you with three challenges. Maybe you need to start finding your core of people that you can become accountable to. Maybe in your existing friendships, you just need to be a bit more truthful and have the guts to love people and spur each other on. Or maybe your encouragement is a little bit low. You spend most of your time comparing yourself in the wrong way rather than comparing yourself in the right way to people. Allow God's Spirit to speak to you now and work out what's best for you. Nathan. Fantastic. Can we just honour Pastor Ali for that incredible word?